four, three, two, one. Welcome to the podcast. Welcome to Everything You Need to Know About Music, where I, Jason, am sitting with a big group tonight with my friend Brian. Say hello, Brian. Hello, check one, check two. <laughs> and the wives. Say hello, wives. Hello. Hi there. Hey, it's Laura here. It's me, Trent. <laughs> tonight, I get to go first, which I'm excited about. And I really do, Brian, take a lot of time to think about the artist or band that I'm going to do for these podcasts for the other person. So I originally thought Johnny Cash because I think that you do a lot of Johnny Cash songs when you play on stage, and I think there's a lot of similarities in a couple of things that you have with, with him. However, I didn't pick Johnny Cash. But that said... Do you have any guesses before I get started as to who maybe I did pick? Oh, boy. I will say that it's a male singer living. So the fact that you would bring up Johnny Cash... Yeah. Um, well, maybe we should back up. Because the fact that you are in a band, that you are the singer of the band, and that I would say Johnny Cash might give away or give you at least some clue or some path to go down. But it's not easy. So, do, am I gonna get a couple questions? Go ahead. Or? Go All ahead. Right, yeah, so we can. We can do male that. Male singer, living solo artist. Y- yes, solo artist. Was he in a band in the past? Yes, he was. And he's age bracket. <sighs> now he is in his mid seventies. Robert Plant. Oh, it's a very good guess, but no. Very good guess. Now, the person that I went with is an Irish singer, poet, folk singer, but also, I would say, rock singer. And that person is Van Morrison. Oh, wow. And the reason I went with Van Morrison is a couple reasons. One, he's one of my favorite artists. Two, he holds the record for me of having recorded and sung my favorite song of all time, which I thought would be fun to share with you. But mainly, I think there's some similarities to his way that he actually presents himself and sings and does what he does, which to me, for some reason, reminds me of you. So he has, like you, no formal training in singing whatsoever. When he first started, well, first off, He's George Ivan, so that's where the van comes from, Morrison, and was born in August 1954 in Belfast, okay? So we got this Northern Irish singer, songwriter, poet, who I have to stress the poet because he really does have this deep depth of songwriting that I think is only second to probably Bob Dylan. I'll, I'll, I'll make that statement right here. Yeah. But he starts his career in the 50s with a group called Them. Have you ever heard of them? Negative. They came out with this song. And I know you know it. This is not song number one, though. This is just where I want you to kind of learn his voice. Do you know it? Vaguely. Girls? No. Nope. All right. I'm going to say that each of you will say, oh, I know that song. About 12 seconds. 
<laughs> Just give me t- 12 more seconds. Maybe? Yep. No? Yeah. Wow. All right. Oh, yeah. All right, there you go. See? All right. So this is them. They come out in the mid-60s, and this is just a British rock group, like all the British rock groups at the time were doing. And they had a couple of big hits, like Here Comes the Night, and probably my favorite, which is Baby Please Don't Go. Cool rocking song. One of their best. He then decides, under the direction of his manager, Burt Burns, to go solo. Because them just didn't work. So he goes solo, and he signs with this label called Bang Records. Because his manager at the time was Burt Burns, that's the B, Ahmet, Nasui, and Jerry Wexler. So Gerald, B-A-N-G. So Bang, Bang Records. Clever. And, yeah, very clever. So, the first song that I'm going to play for you, this is song number one that everybody and their mother knows, but we have to play it from Van Morrison, and that is a song you have played on stage, I've heard you play it many times, is Brown Eyed Girl. Written by Van Morrison in March of 1967, produced by Burt Burns, and this is when he first went solo, and I know you know it. Yes, indeed. <laughs> But what a lot of people don't know is that the sha-la-la-las in the background were done by this group called the Sweet Inspirations. And the Sweet Inspirations were a black female group with Dionne Warwick, Dee Dee Warwick, and Sissy Houston, who's actually the mother of Whitney Houston. And these girls were like the background singers for all background singers. They backed Aretha Franklin, Elvis Presley, Wilson Pickett. Jimi Hendrix, and like tons and tons more. They never had any hits themselves, but they were like the backup group. Were they, they didn't travel to Ireland, so where, where were they stationed? They did all of this in New York. Okay. So he flies, uh, flies them uh, over from, I guess they were in, in England, not so much Ireland, but in England, and he sets up shop in New York. So after finishing his, uh, his contract with, with Decca, Morrison comes over, they record a couple of good songs, Brown Eyed Girl obviously being the biggest, but a lot of people don't realize that it was supposed to be called Brown Skinned Girl. But they knew that that wouldn't work and figured that they should change it and they renamed it to Brown Eyed Girl, which I think that was kind of cool. Yeah. So, but this is where he first started to kind of go from what that original sound was, which was that hard rock 60s, you know, kind of, uh, British invasion sound into a bit more mellow, poetic kind of stuff. And Brown Eyed Girl was the first way to really get to that. He receives a millionaire certificate every couple of years because he recently just received one from BMI for 10 million plays. This song is the most played song of all 1960s songs ever. And the most downloaded. Really? It is the most downloaded and most played song of the 1960s. Beatles, every, everything. Every band that, really? Sing, biggest single song of the 1960s. Wow. Isn't that crazy? Wow. Yeah. So, that's song number one. So, after that, in the, uh, the late 1967, Burns dies. 
and he died from a heart failure that he had that he had since birth. And so Warner Brothers buys out the remainder of this of the Bang contract. But Bang doesn't want to let him off the hook. And so they say to him, "Look, you still owe us 36 songs." And I want to say that it was like three albums and 12 songs a piece maybe or something like that, but they say you you know, you owe us our songs. So Van Morrison, this irreverent Irish passionate poet goes, no, I'm, I'm not doing that. Like, you need to let me out of my contract. My guy, the reason I came to this recording place, uh, died. Like, you got to let me go. They go, no, we want our songs. So he goes into the studio and in one day records 30 songs. <laughs> no way. Okay. He goes in. Now, I'm going to play a couple of these songs for you because he's like, screw this. And I got to tell you, if there's ever been... Just a funny way to throw the middle finger to the man. It's it's this, and it's just absolutely spectacular. So let me. I'm just gonna play a couple of them for you because you've got to hear what he did all in one day. This is the first one. This one's called Ringworm. It's absolutely amazing. I can see by the look on your face that you've got ringworm. I mean, just <laughs> awful. I'm very sorry, but. I have to tell you that you've got ringworm. <laughs> okay. Wow. I mean, 30 of these. And he hands them to him, and he's like, wait, this one's, this one's called You Say France, and I'll Whistle. This one might you be my... France, Listen to this. And I'll whistle. <laughs> you say France, and I'll whistle. Wow. I mean, just... I'll whistle. You say France. Let's just listen. My favorite is he actually whistles. No, you say France, and I'll whistle. No, no, you whistle, I'll say France. This is it. No, no, it, no, him no, and his whistle. No, his guitar. No, this is it. This is it. Or my personal favorite, do you want a Danish? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just, he's like, screw you. You want songs? I'll give you songs. Here you go. Listen to this. You want a Danish? No, I just ate. I've just eaten. <laughs> want, wow. Like, okay. I want some bread up front. Oh, bread up front. You want a sandwich? <laughs> and it goes on and on like this. Have There's like two-minute songs, 36 of them. He, he hands them over. He goes, here are your songs. And they let him out of the contract. He wow. technically fulfilled his contract, and they let him go. <laughs> wow. So for the rest of his career, he was with Warner Brothers, and that's how he got out of it, which is, I think, fantastic. Damn. All right, so. Good man. Let me go back. All right. Whew. <laughs> Song number two. This is where he starts to, I think, really come into his own. So he really starts to get into his deep Irish poetry roots. And he releases an album called Astral Weeks. And Astral Weeks, critics have said there has never been anything that's ever been made like Astral Weeks and probably never will be. It's this, the only way I can describe it after listening to it for so many years is like, if, and I've never done LSD, but if I did, this might be what I come up with. Like, it's transcendental, it's pure poetry, it's, it's advanced music, like, lyrically, it's a, like adult music, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's, it's, it's like I'm reading or, or listening to a James Joyce in music form. Does that make sense? Yes. So, Van Morrison gets into legal troubles after the problems that he had with, with Bang Records, 
and he has a really tough time performing in New York City because he's still technically a, a foreigner. So much so that the, uh, the widow, the, the wife of Burt Burns, even tries to have him deported and get, and get sent out of the country. So he has to marry his girlfriend, Janet Rigsby, and they move to Cambridge, Massachusetts, and he tries to just find some local bands to kind of hook up with. So he hooks up with these two guys. One's this incredible stand-up bass player, and this other guy named John Payne, who is this jazz-trained flute player. And they play together for four months straight, but they play in this way that's like this uh, almost improvisational, kind of jazzy, let's figure it out as we go kind of way. And so after a couple of months, Warner Brothers gives them some room to figure themselves out. They send out these agents, uh, producers, to Boston to go hear him live, and they're moved. They're like, holy smokes, Like we've never heard any music like this. I can only say that it was so far ahead of its time that I don't think it got the critical attention that it really did for decades later. Like, it was a commercial flop. It didn't really sell all that well. But I want to play for you what it sounded like so you can really hear. You're not going to get the poetry until you really spend some time with it, but I just want you to hear what it was like. Maybe two or three chords tops in the whole song. Between the viaducts of your dream Where my world still runs crack I mean, you know it's him, but if you listen to the words, it's pure poetry. Could you find me? Would you kiss my eyes? Laying it down You've not heard this, though, right? No. I might have read it in a poetry book. <laughs> right? Isn't it like that, though? Sixth grade. <laughs> yeah. All right. I'll play one more. This one's called Sweetest Thing. Actually, sorry. Sweet Thing. The dude's got a good vibe. Total vibe. Yeah. I mean, it's just chill, easy, folk music. Yep. And again, this is like late 60s. Drink the clear, clean water for the quench my thirst. And I shall watch the ferry boats and get high. Cool, right? Yes. All right. So I set all of that up to play for you what I'm going to play for you now. Okay. So we started in the 60s. He's this rocker. He's this British, like, powerful rocker, okay? No formal training. He's just belting it out. He's almost off-key in a way. Like, he's screaming his guts out with this passion, with just like, this is everything I got. In fact, he has said in many interviews that from all of his shouting, he feels like he probably damaged his vocal cords because he just doesn't sing the way you're supposed to from, like, the diaphragm and the depths of your, you know, whatever. He just sings his soul out, which I fully appreciate. So you take that, plus this newfound, like, late 60s, mid to late 60s, like, poetic vibe 
that he has from these Irish poets that he would study. And, and he creates, in my opinion, one of the greatest albums ever, which is song number three, which is Moondance. Now, if you haven't listened to Moondance, never mind just the song, but the album, it is, in my opinion, the greatest side A of any album ever made. Song after song, and I know, I know, I see your face. I'm saying over Sgt. Pepper, over some of the... I'm glad you prefaced that with in my opinion. No, 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 listen, in my opinion. It is literally a perfect side of music. You know the night's magic. This is good. This is a good one. You do know this song though. Yes. Okay, good. You know the seems to shine. I'm twelve years old, maybe thirteen. I'm walking in a department store with my parents. And this song comes on the like Muzak or whatever the overhead stereo was at the time. I'm standing under the speaker trying to listen. I go, what the heck is this? How can this guy be singing off-key and yet it sounds awesome? Like, he's yelling, but it, it, it works. There's a saxophone. There's a piano solo, which I love. Then there's a flute. What the heck is going on? I'm like, I, I couldn't, I've never heard anything like it before. I run home. That's a little exaggeration. My parents drive me home. I get on the computer, and at the time, there are these like chat rooms, right? Like, you know, just bulletin boards. So I go, I need help. I type in the lyrics that I can remember, and I get this reply back, hey, I think that's Moondance. The next day, I get in, the, get in the car with my parents, I go to the store, I buy Van Morrison Moondance, put blindly, not knowing if it is, put the song, put the album on to song three, and it, it is this song. Wow. And still to this day, it's my favorite song of all time. Wow. You didn't ask your dad. No. He, well, maybe I did. He didn't know. Yeah. I mean, guitar, piano, flute, horns, bass, that bass line, that walking. It, oh, it's just, listen to that. It's got it all. It's got everything. It's got everything I need. Yeah. And then you give me his voice. He could read a menu to me. I don't care. It <laughs> works. It just, for some reason, connects with me. You know he means it. You know he's serious. And I just, I just love it. Do you know this song, ladies? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I know you know this song. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I think that was one of your wedding songs. <laughs> Could have been. Could have been. It's your favorite. Better have been. I know. Well, actually, that's a good point. That's true. I actually remember driving, uh, I think it was after prom, and yeah. you played this song. You borrowed your dad's car. That's right. It was a convertible. That's right. And you played. I think on repeat. I think that was the first time I heard the song, actually. And you told me at the time, I think you were eight, 17 or 18 years old, and you said, this, I'm going to play for you my favorite song. And I remember the, the, we were in the convertible. It was a beautiful night, and we played Moon Dance. And I think that was the first time I heard it. Two kids later. Yep. Here we go. <laughs> wow. All right, but in the same album, literally after this song, into the mystic. I mean, listen, if you're on a hammock, okay, somewhere, and no one else is around but just you and the breeze, this is the song you want. And it's perfect. We were born before I know you know this song, too. Oh, yeah. Also, 
So if you get some time and you have a record player, which I know you do, and you happen to have Moondance, you have to just listen to side A from front to back. It just... Now, listen, side B is awesome, but it just fits. He wrote every song, produced every song, played instruments on every song, but this dude's awkward. Like, he wears sunglasses, he wears all black, he doesn't make eye contact with the crowd. When he was recording this album, he was in his own room. He didn't even interact with the other musicians. He's very, like, awkward, yet he's got this unbridled passion, this, this ability to connect with, with the, the listener that's just amazing. I, 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 don't, I don't know how he does it. And I feel a little bit like you, he's, he's connected to you in a way because I think he, like you, when he's on stage, steps out of his normal place, steps out of his shell in a bit. And I've seen you sing and you belt it out and you scream your guts out, which is very similar to the way that this guy does it. That's, no, no, it's a compliment. It's an extreme compliment. It really, really is. It's just great. Smooth. It's so smooth. I mean, come cool. on. He's so cool. Did you guys see him when he was here yeah, last year? Yeah, we did. Like last, that was a couple years ago. When did we see oh, I think him? It was, I think it was last year. Oh, it was last yeah. year, yeah. Oh, it broke records at Ruth Eckert Hall. It more memberships than I think ever. Like, Oh, that's awesome. It was really over Good. the top. And what's really ironic is you picked an artist that Brian and I were kind of like, Oh, he, he's in my top. Go. He's in my top. I mean, uh, we, uh, we didn't even go. Uh, we had so many people wanting our tickets because we pre-bought a bunch of tickets, uh, and they were like, "Can we have your tickets? Can we buy your tickets?" You, <laughs> I remember you Dude. and I having this conversation. Like, what is the big deal with this guy? <laughs> I mean, Honestly, if you sit, like, we did not know. Uh, if you sit with his music for just you know, you just put it on while you're doing whatever and have it in the background. It just it kind of it's chill. It's really so yeah. Good. It's, it's good. really, yeah. It just puts you in a good mood. All right, one more. We're going to go out to this song. But before I do, by the way, he made an album last year. He's made 41 albums. Ooh, 41 albums. This is only his third album that, it were, that, this, is, that this song comes off of. Nice. I mean, it's just insane. Um, so anyway, I, I wanted to put some parallels between you and this guy in that when you're on stage and when he's on stage, when you're singing, you really let it go. And I thought that there would be a little bit of similarity to that because he just gets into it, man. He just feels the groove and he just does it, which is kind of like you. All right, one last song. This is, this is my bonus song for you. Go out to this. If there's, oh, man, I don't know. It's definitely top ten, but I was going to say top five. But Do you know this one? Still side A, by the way. Absolutely. Yeah. Mama, mama, I look at Amaru. She's not playing with the radio. La, 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 la. He did a version of this on The Last Waltz, which is the band. I don't know if you saw that Scorsese documentary where uh, they, they had this uh, a, a movie about their last tour, their last show. And he did a version, Van Morrison did a version of Caravan with the band. And all these dudes, by the way, Dylan and the band and him, were all in upstate New York, right around Woodstock, right in the Catskills at the time, and making this kind of music, this just like folk rock, kind of late hippie 
music that was just ahead of its time. It's just really, really good stuff. This is a good one. I like this one. All right, I do, I do like his uh, version in the Last Waltz. Yeah, it's pretty fun. It's pretty, it's pretty cool. Pretty uh, I saw spirited. you mouthing out the words and lip syncing <laughs> over there, young lady. I love the song. All right, well we'll leave it there. This and might have been the convertible night as well. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> it might have been. That's a good point. All right, well we will leave it there, and uh, we'll see you next time. <laughs>